Resurrection Day, church. Woo! It's good to be with you. Man, that's just, that song just gets me going. Hey, my name is Fitz. I'm the lead guy here. I have the privilege of serving at this church. One of the best things I get to do in life. I'm just excited to have you with us today. Thanks for joining us. If this is your first time or the first time in a long time that you've been to church, we just want to say thanks for giving us a chance. And it's great to have so many of you from so many places, people from all over join us online today. Good to have you with us out there in digital land. And so great to see so many of your bright, beautiful faces here in the building today. It's good to see you, church. And we want you to know that regardless of what you believe and think about God, wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you have a place right here with us. Because we believe that God loves you just as you are. He cares for you just as you are. He receives you just as you are. But what's way better than all of that is God loves every single one of us way too much to leave us as we are. And that's good news, because none of us have it figured out. Not me, not you, not anybody. We don't have it all figured out. So that's why we gather every week to unpack some of what God's word would have for us, to help us learn from his word, to see where to go, to see what to do, see what God has for us, because we believe that a God who loves us, a God who stepped out of all the glory and the beauty of heaven to come into the muck and the mire of this world, to take a cross for us, and then to rise victorious from the grave, that a God who does all that for us can't be a God who's against us. He's a God who's for us and he loves us. And church, that's why we're here today. That's what we celebrate. That's really good news. Now, I want to invite you back next week because next week we're kicking off a series called Conversations with God. And you might not be a person who would say that you pray regularly or you pray daily or you pray all the time, but I bet that there are times when you pray. Now, you're a student, it might be that time when you walk into the classroom and the teacher says, hey, got a quiz today, and you're thinking, no, we don't. Pray then. Might be that time you're driving down the road and you see a car and it's got those special lights on the top and they start moving and he doesn't go around you and you're like, ooh, we pray then. Right, there are all of us, we have those times of life when we pray, right? And you may have wondered at some point, does prayer work? How does prayer work? Does God hear my prayers? Why aren't my prayers getting answered? What's up with this prayer thing? Should I even try it? Well, we're going to kick off a series next week where we're going to unpack those questions and more. We're going to try and find some helpful, practical answers to just how we can have a conversation with God. So I hope you'll join us for that. But that, that's next week. Today, today is Easter. Today is Resurrection Sunday. Church, this is a good day. It's my favorite day of the year. I mean, I love Christmas, and I love all that goes along with that. I love, I love most holidays, but I tell you what, Easter, man, Easter gets, hits me in a special place because there's something awesome we celebrate, that the God who was crucified for us did not stay dead. He came out of that tomb, and that's what we celebrate today. That is why we celebrate today. We got the best news in the world, church, so we celebrate, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, I love everything about Easter. I love everything uh, that goes along with what Jesus has done for us. But I also love the other fun stuff too. I love that this time of year, flowers start blooming. It's bright, it's colorful outside. We finally get a little more color back in the landscape. I love that the colors of this time of year and what we wear, it's just, it's brighter. Like we're coming out of the dark into the light. I love all the eggs and the fun stuff for kids. I love the candy. I love the candy. I love the candy. And I got a sweet tooth. And God bless the person who created the Reese's egg 
Like the per- now listen, that might, I, I don't know what it says about you. You clap as much for that as you did for the resurrection, y'all. Like we might have an issue there. So keep listening, all right? But I think there's a special place in heaven for the person who made this. The perfect combination, perfect ratio of chocolate to peanut butter, right? Y'all, like, you don't have peanut butter allergy, do you? Okay, good. I was afraid you might have another resurrection needing to happen. So... So, you know, like that, that's a beautiful, there's a special spot in heaven for the Reese's peanut butter egg creator. I think there's a special spot in the other place for the person who made the black jelly bean. Like, what's with that? Like, you're eating your jelly beans, all of a sudden you get one of those. It's like, oh, I mean, that is straight up sin. That's just me, it's not good. Like, like a waste of sugar, right? It's kind of like the cruel joke when somebody gives you a chocolate Easter bunny. When I was a kid, my parents would get us a one pound chocolate Easter bunny. I was just going to say, I don't know that anybody needs to give a child that's like five years old a pound of chocolate. And they're like, here you go. Right? Like, that just was not a voice. Like, sorry, mom, I know you're listening. Like, I'm glad you did, but you probably should not have. But somewhere along the lines, all of a sudden, I got this bunny that was hollow. And what's with that, right? And then you get like this hollow. You give me a hollow chocolate shell of anything. You just need to know I'm going to put some in it. I'm going to put some peanut butter. I'm probably going to fill that sucker with caramel the way God intended it to be, right? Like, that's just the way it should be, right? But, 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 if we just get to all the happy, bright, colorful, sweet side of Easter, if we just fast forward to that, I fear we risk missing the meaning of it. Because while Easter ends bright and happy, it starts in the dark. It starts before the dawn. I mean, there's this darkness that just shrouds the whole Easter time frame. It begins with the darkness of Jesus and his friends in a dimly lit upper room in the dark of night having their last meal together. It moves out into a garden late at night, darkness and prayer time. It moves through the darkness of a dark kiss of betrayal. From one of his closest followers. A shadowy secret arrest of the Savior. The darkness of denial as all of his closest friends and followers abandon him. They flee in fear. Even though they said they'd stick by his side. The darkness of a sham trial. The darkness of a midday sun covered up as a dark you could feel came over the land as our Christ was crucified for. The dark, lonely grave. Easter starts in the dark. Jesus' friend John records the story this way. It says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. Mary Magdalene, one of Jesus' good friends, one of Jesus' closest followers. Mary walked carefully along an unfamiliar path in an unfamiliar place, she wasn't from that town, made her way back toward the tomb that early day. Walking along so dark, tough to see in front of you where you're walking, lots of things to stumble over. It's a dark, dangerous path for her. Mary walking along, the air thick and heavy, you know how it is before the dawn. The darkness sinks heavy, it's damp. Every sound amplified. Before the world awakens, Mary makes her path along this dark pathway. For Mary, every step along was labored, was painful as she's reminded of the finality of the grave. The cross completed, the tomb rolled as a stone rolled in front of it. 
purpose of Mary's journey that day, not for beauty, for burial. Mary making her way there. There's no brightly colored Easter basket. There's no bright flowers. There's no spring dress, no family meal awaiting her. Mary making her way to a grave. In her hands, she holds the burial spices as her eyes are filled with tears. This is Mary Magdalene, after all. Mary, who was a friend, a follower of Jesus. This was Mary Magdalene, Mary who had at one point been known as the crazy lady from the town of Magdala. Magdala, a place known for its prostitution, not the place where you say, that's where I'm from. But beside all that, this is Mary who was tormented and tortured, possessed for years, for decades, by seven sinister demons. These demons had wrecked and ravaged her life. They had ruined her reputation. They had tormented her. These demons had stolen her sanity. They had stolen her hope. Mary was one who was a, she was cast aside by everyone else. It meant Mary was not the kind of person you would want to have as your friend. She just wasn't quite stable enough. Mary was one of these people. She was one of the least of these. She was one of the the left out. She was sidelined and ostracized. Mary was in a bad place until, until this traveling rabbi teacher named Jesus shows up. And all that changed. Jesus shows up and he, he engages a conversation with Mary. Mary who nobody else wants to talk to. Mary who nobody wants to be with. Mary who everybody else stays away from. And Jesus says, no, no, no. The way your story's been is not the way your story's going to end. And all that changes now. In, in that moment, Jesus casts out those demons. He frees her from the pain, the shame, the chains of the demon possession. We don't know exactly what those demons are, these seven demons that had possessed her, seven forces working inside her, against her, wrecking her. But in that moment, she's freed up from them, given a new lease on life, given a place to belong. Jesus welcomes her into his circle of friends. Jesus gives her purpose. Mary begins helping provide for these guys. Helping provide the things they need for life. Mary finds purpose and a place amongst Jesus and his friends. So as Mary is making her way back to the tomb that day, dark, empty. Right? I mean, Mary had followed Jesus for a long time. Followed him all the way to the end. From the day he saved her, from the day he gave her new life, he followed her. He was, or she was with her. He didn't follow her. She followed him, right? She followed him all the way to the end, all the way to the grave, all the way to the cross. She was there as they crucified him. She was there at the cross watching in painful disbelief as her friend crucified. She was there when they took his beaten, broken, bloodied body down. She watched as Joseph wrapped Jesus' body in burial cloth. She followed them to the tomb. She watched them place the body inside the grave and with him. All of her hope. This wasn't just Jesus who was friend. This wasn't just Jesus who was the esteemed leader. This wasn't just Jesus who was beloved mentor, teacher, rabbi. No, 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 this was Jesus who represented all of her hope, all of her future, all of her belonging, all of her confidence, all of her place to be. This was Jesus who gave her purpose. And so when he was died, all of that died with him. When he was put in the ground, all that went there with him. And now, here she is. 
making her way back with each labored step to that painful place. Not sure what to expect. Too dark to see the ground in front of her. Too dark to see past the grave. Too dark for hope. John tells us, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. That's not what she was expecting. She gets there. She sees the stone rolled away. She looks inside. There's no body. She runs back and tells the other disciples, tells the guys, hey, guys, something happened to Jesus' body. We don't know where Now, we know that there were some other gals who had at this point joined her at the tomb before she ran back. She tells the boys, he's gone, and we don't know what happened. So Pete and John, two of Jesus' best friends, they run to the tomb. They look inside. Yep, Mary's right. He's gone. I don't know. You know, I don't know. They run back and they hide. They're scared. They're, they're in fear. Not Mary. Mary sticks around. So now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, as you would. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white. Now, don't let this word white just trick, trigger color for you. It's the gospels, the other gospels, the original language tells us this this white that is there is this brilliant bright light shining forth light so bright it's just white like the tomb that was dark a place of darkness is now bursting forth with light and sitting inside standing inside the two angels seated where jesus body had been one at the head the other at the feet and they asked her woman why are you crying Well, they've taken my Lord away. She said, I don't know where they've put him. She can't make sense of all this yet. At this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't know it was him. She didn't recognize him. Now, some people get tripped up by this. Like, hold on. If Mary was so close to Jesus, she was such a good friend with him, and she'd followed for so long. How did she not know Jesus? A couple things going on here. One, what we assume from this is that the resurrected body might have slightly different form than than this body. Not like different. I mean, body but jesus restored right her last memories of jesus may not have looked quite like the jesus standing there that aside mary shows up to a grave and the dead dude she's expecting to see is striking up a conversation with her her brain can't comprehend that it just doesn't make sense to that right like if you go to a cemetery a few days after a funeral you've been to the funeral somebody you love you show up at the cemetery a few days later there might not even be a headstone there the ground is still on earth it's just soil there's no sun there's no grass it's just the cold dirt and the person who you think who you saw was buried in that ground is now walking around the cemetery like you just don't expect that to happen unless your name's stephen king and then you probably write a book about it but other than that like you just not you know, like your brain doesn't have a frame of reference for that so legit that mary doesn't understand that this is jesus So then Jesus asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Mary, thinking he was a gardener, says, sir, if you've carried him away, can you tell me where you've put him? I'll go get the body. And at that, Jesus says one word. Just one word. Mary. One word changes everything. Mary. One word reset the trajectory of her story and breathed life back into her. Mary. And at that, it all began to click. She began to make sense of everything her teacher had been saying. She turned toward him and cried out, Teacher, Rabbi, Jesus, friend, it's you. Oh, 
oh, it's you. <laughs> I think I'm starting to get it now. And he says, Mary, Mary, hold on. You, you can't hold on to me. I, I've not yet gone back to the Father. So listen, go back to the guys. Go back to the other followers. Go tell all of them what's happened. Let them know. I'll come say hi in a bit. But I got to go back to Dad. I got to go back to our Father, our God. So Mary runs back and tells these some guys who are back in hiding. She says, listen, I have seen the Lord. Mary becomes the first person. She gets to proclaim the news. Mary runs out. She says, Jesus did not stay dead. At church, that's really good news. Like that's what brings us here today, right? That's what we celebrate. That's why we celebrate. Good news, Jesus ain't dead. Woo! And Mary gets to proclaim that. Yeah. Problem is, some of you aren't there yet. Some of you are kind of still stuck in the dark, right? Like this beautiful news of resurrection, but for you, you're still wandering that dark path to the tomb. The body's still in the grave. For, for some of you, you might feel a little bit like Mary Magdalene back before she met Jesus the first time. That she's got something going on inside. Like, like these forces that work against you from inside out, wrecking you, tormenting you, torturing you, just keeping you possessed and oppressed and beating you down. And you just need freedom. This thing you just can't get over. This addiction that's just got you stuck. This problem that's just got you stuck. This depression that just has you in its grip. This anxiety that you just can't escape from. The way you just keep fouling things up again and again and again. For some of y'all, you just like life is not playing out the way you thought it should or would. For some of you, it's just like, man, the, the marriage is not supposed to require this much effort. That the relationship shouldn't take this much work. Sometimes it's like work shouldn't be this hard. The finances shouldn't be like we should be getting ahead at some point. Why are we still stuck here? For some of you, it's just like the kids, man. The kids shouldn't struggle like they do with the things they do. And your mama heart, your daddy heart, it's just broken. Some of you, there's just this darkness that just looms over your story. A darkness you can't get away from. You're just waiting for the light. But the darkness just has you there. Has you anxious. Exhausted. Fearful. Angry. Bitter. Tired. Just has you. Hurt. Neglected. Alone, just broken. You're just broken. You're just stuck in the dark. You're just waiting for someone to roll that stone away. Someone to come and say, hey, it doesn't have to be this way. So the good news is that's actually not a terrible place to be. Because you see, that's where Easter begins. Easter starts in the dark. It's before the dawn that God was doing his work of the resurrection. Resurrection always comes forth from the brokenness. That's where it begins. Resurrection begins in the brokenness. We read in the story that Jesus was broken for us. 
Jesus came from the glory of heaven into this world, came here for us. The God of all eternity and beauty stepped into time and stepped into our world, and he took a cross for us. And on that cross, he bore the weight of all people of all time for all our sins all at once. But it tells us that not only did Jesus bear the weight of our sin, but Scripture says he became sin for us. He who had no sin became sin for us so that we could be freed up from our sin, from all the ways that we have been hurt and wounded by the bad things others have done to us. He freed us up from all the ways we have wrecked it ourselves, all of our rebellion, all of our obstinance, all of our own doing that leads to our undoing. Jesus took all of that. And my mind can't even make sense of it. God who is holy and majestic, became sin for us to free us up from that, to free us from the guilt and the consequence that we deserve. And then he stepped out of a tomb a couple days later. Now, here's what I know about that. A God who does that is a God who's for us. He's a God who loves us. But that's where it begins. Begins in the brokenness. And God did that because he loves you. He took all of that upon himself. He, he became sin for you because he loves you, because he wants to be in relationship with you, because he wants eternity with you, because he doesn't want you to be in darkness and brokenness. So he wants to free you from all those things. They're just beating you up and wrecking you. For those of you on campus, when you came in today, you received a glow stick. For those of you online, you didn't get one. I'm sorry. Maybe we can mail one to you. I don't know. Put somebody on that. But for those of you who came in today, you got a glow stick. And and you know how these things work, right? These fun little things. In order for a glow stick to glow, it's got to have a little brokenness, right? A little breaky and shaky. And then these things. And and I don't know about you, but for me, when I was a kid, I thought these things were pretty cool. And and there's just this kind of beauty to them. Because what, what happens is there's these two different chemicals in there. And the chemicals are separated. And until there's brokenness, they they can't combine. But when they combine, when there's brokenness, these two chemicals collide and we get light. It's pretty light. Church, we're kind of like these glow sticks. When we acknowledge the brokenness in our life and we finally admit that there's brokenness there and we invite Jesus into that brokenness, We invite his healing, we invite his peace, we invite his salvation into our lives. We say on our own, we're just wandering in the dark. Without you, we're no good. But we invite him into the brokenness. Then there's this beautiful collision where his grace meets our faith. Where his grace, his mercy, his love, his forgiveness, his redeeming freedom meets us in our trust for him. And at that point, dawn begins to break over us the light begins to shine goodbye darkness hello light and that's a really beautiful thing but you got to be broken before the light can shine you know jesus said himself he said i have come into the world so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness i don't want you to stay in the darkness i made you for light i I created you to be in the light i don't want you to stay in darkness if you believe in me There's light and life for you. Now, I I got a little buddy down here, Yertle the turtle. He's my Easter turtle. He's cute, isn't he? I snuggle with him each night. And, and you know, and I'll say my Easter animal because turtles actually do lay eggs. 
leave it at that for you. So, uh, so each year in the southeastern Atlantic coast of the U.S., these sea turtles make their way in from the ocean. They crawl up on the sand. They dig little spots, and they lay their eggs, and then the parent turtle goes back, and then the eggs eventually hatch, and these little hatchings come out, and they look cute like this. And then they make their way back because this is what turtles do. And then they swim through the ocean. But you know how they get to the ocean? See, they're attracted not to the water. They, they, they don't know enough. They're attracted to the light. You see, these little sea turtles, they're, they're phototropic. That means they're attracted to light. Phototropic, just a fun word. And, and they're attracted to how the moonlight and the starlight is reflected by and in the water. So they make their way to the ocean by the light that's in it. problem is that sometimes, and too many times now, there's this other light that competes with it, and it disorients little yurtles. And they're like, I don't know where to go. And then they turn around, and they make their way back to this other artificial electric light created by humans. And that light attracts them. They, they, they go to the wrong lights, and those lights lead to danger because those lights lead to parking lots and roadways and dogs that like to do things to turtles. And, and it's just not good for them, and they end up in danger. Friend, we're kind of like these turtles. We are phototropic. We, we are made for light. We're attracted to light. But the problem is, sometimes in our darkness, we start chasing the wrong lights. We get attracted to the false lights, kind of like Yertle and his friends. We, we get attracted, thinking, maybe I can come out of the darkness by success. Maybe success will bring me out of the darkness, false light. Maybe this light of, uh, of popularity and, and, and maybe just that one more relationship will lead me out of the darkness, false light. Maybe enough money, if I just make a little bit more money, just a little bit more money, that'll get me out of the light. Here, that'll get me out of the darkness, false light. Maybe just enough pleasure, just enough comfort, just enough fun, just enough entertainment, just enough more, more, more. That, that'll get me out of the darkness and give me some light. Problem is, what we find is all those things are artificial light and every single one of them just leads us into deeper darkness. We end up with depression, we end up with despair, we end up just disillusioned to discourage some of us we just quit chasing after the light altogether we just hunker down in the darkness we just get kind of lazy like a kid curled up in the blankets we just stay in the dark we grow accustomed to the dark because you know how it is like sometimes the dark can begin to feel comfortable then right like darkness you you change your clothes and in the dimly lit you know you see yourself in the mirror it hides some things it it hides some of the imperfections can make you look a little bit better when you see yourself that way like sometimes we like what the darkness does we like what the shadows provide sometimes we just get stuck there problem is we're made for light and i've got three kids all of them teenagers i welcome your prayers they're all really great kids because they take after their mom so i'm fortunate but all three of those kids man they love to sleep and two of them still at home one in college they all love to sleep though it is their spiritual gift they are master sleepers so sometimes as a dad i got to go in and wake them up like late morning close to the afternoon once in a great while it is afternoon and i'm like knocking on the door and you know like as a dad i'm i'm nice i'm gentle so i knock on the door just crack it open hey guys time to wake up (laughs) no no the door flies open good morning light comes on curtains open wide get up woo and you know how my kids react right that's right they're great kids they jump out of bed dad why'd you wait so long it's a great day it's beautiful it's bright let's go i can't believe you let me sleep in so long carpe diem see today let's go no, they're teenagers. It's like our last name is Dracula and the sun is going to turn them to ash or something. Like, ah! Like, they just, like... But you know what happens within just a few minutes after that? They're going around the house. Every light switch you can imagine getting turned on. 
flip, 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 flip. You know why? Because they don't pay the electric bill and they have no clue about reality of life, right? You know why else? Because they know they need to be in the light. Because they know they're made for light. Because life just doesn't happen well in the dark. Because of the phototropic, they're attracted to the light. Friend, Easter begins in the dark. But it doesn't stay there. I'm going to remind you of some words Jesus said. It says, for God so loved the world. Everybody say love. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes, say believe. In him shall not perish but have eternal life. Everybody say life. All right, and I'm going to remind you the next part of this that you might not be as familiar with. And why did God do that? Why did he give his son so that whoever in us believes in him won't perish in hell but have life in heaven? He did it because God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save. Everybody say save. save. He did it to save the world through him. Amen. Let me tell you the truth here, church. This is what we know about this. Right? We know that God is for us. Because Jesus came here and he died for us. And the God who leaves the glory of heaven and comes into this world as beautiful as it might be, it ain't heaven. And the God who leaves heaven to come here and take a cross for us and take the sin consequence for us and to free us from that. That God, he must love us and he must be for us. Listen, Jesus did not come here to condemn you. He came here to rescue you. If there's nothing else you hear today, I want you to hear this. Jesus did not come here to condemn you. He came to rescue you. Jesus came and he took a cross for you, not to beat you down with it, but to give you life through it, to save you with it. Jesus came and he conquered the grave and he conquered your sin because he's for you, church. Yeah, yeah, you can praise him for that. That's good news. That's the Easter story right there. And he didn't stay dead. He came alive, man. That is really good news. And Jesus did that because he loves you and he wants you to have life in him. Easter might begin in the dark, but baby, it gets bright. And I love it. But here's the deal. The only path to that resurrection life Jesus offers us, the only path to coming out of the grave is you got to get in the grave first. The only way to the resurrection life he offers is through the grave. The only way to the resurrection life he offers is through the grave. What that means is you got to surrender your old way of doing it. you got to surrender your old sin-soaked way of doing life. Your old rebellious way, your old God, I don't need you. i got it all taken care of on my own kind of living. you got to put that to death. you got to put to death your old way of doing it all on your own. Your white knuckle, I'll make life okay on my own. Your, your old, I'm going to just keep trying to make it better on my own. Your old false religion of I don't need anyone else. I don't need a God. I am God on my own. you got to put that to death. And the way the Bible instructs us to do that is in baptism. We come to Jesus and we acknowledge that he is Lord, that he is the leader, and we're not, and he is Savior, and we need him. And we put our old way of living to death. I love what Eugene Peterson, I love how Eugene Peterson paraphrases what the Apostle Paul said about baptism. It says, here's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. It means when we are lowered into the water, it's like the burial of Jesus happening in us. And when we are raised up out of the water, it's like the resurrection of Jesus happening in us. Each of us is raised into a light-filled world by our Father, so that we can see where we're going in our new grace country. I love that. Paul says, could it be any clearer? 
Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Jesus. A decisive end to that sin-miserable life. We're no longer held captive to all the demands of our sin. No, 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 no. So here's what we believe now. We believe that if we get included in Jesus' sin-conquering death, we'll also get included in his life-saving resurrection. But friend, that means the only way to that resurrection is through the grave. We've got to put the old way to death and come up in a brand new way of living. And we do that in the water. In the water of baptism. Listen, that water right over there in our baptistry. By the way, that's just normal water. It's not holy water. It's not special water. It's warm water. I'll tell you that. It's nice and warm. But it's just regular water. But it's right there in that normal water that the God of the extraordinary does something with all of our ordinariness. And he breathes new life into people who say, I'm putting the, my old way to death and I'm coming alive in you. It's there in the water of baptism that your sin washed away, your past washed away, your guilt washed away, and new life washes in. And it's not because we're saved by that water. No, we're not. We're just saved by our Savior. Saved by His grace meeting us and our faith colliding in with us. But that's where it all starts. And there's nothing, Jesus says, you gotta, there's nothing you got to believe special anymore than that you need a Savior and His name is Jesus. And that you need a leader to lead you out of your darkness and His name is Jesus. It's not you. You believe that you need a Savior. You believe that you need a leader. And you believe Jesus fills both of those. And you're ready for baptism. You're ready to walk out of the darkness and into brand new life today. So church, I'm going to invite you into that decision today. So that's where it all starts. Jesus never once said, you got to have all your stuff figured out. You got to have your life all put together. He never once said, you got to have all your questions answered. Never once said, you got to believe all the right things before coming to him. In fact, he invited, he says, come, come as you are. Bring all your baggage, all your fears, all your mess, all your doubts, all your failures. Bring all that. And we'll start moving forward together. It says, that's not a finish line, that's a starting line. That's not where it ends, that's where it begins. It says, you, that's where the old life ends, that's where new life begins. You step out of that water, and then it's just one day at a time. Moving forward in faith with Jesus. That's just what life of faith means. It's what it is to trust in Jesus. It's just one step at a time, one day at a time, walking with him. And it doesn't mean, unfortunately, that all the darkness just disappears. That suddenly all the problems are gone. No, I wish. What it does mean is that he's your light to guide you through it all. That there may be darkness that still closes in on you, but you got a light to get you through it. So church, I'm gonna invite you today. If you have never made that decision, then let today be your day. If you've never made the decision, let today be your day that you step out of the darkness that you've been living in and step into the light. And we've got everything taken care of. We've got everything you need. Here in just a moment, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to watch a video of my buddy Todd. And I know you're going to be compelled by his story. You're going to be inspired by his story. You're going to be blown away. This is a beautiful story of what God can do in somebody's life. And I hope that if you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, that today you make that decision, just like Todd and his wife Jennifer did a few years back. Last service, we had several people last night. We had somebody who said, I'm tired of being in the dark. It's time to come into the light. And no matter how old you are, no matter where you are on the spectrum, listen, blessed service, I got to baptize a 92-year-old man. What a beautiful thing. It's never too late. It's never too late, church. So in a moment, I'm going to pray for us. And we're going to watch that video, and then we're going to sing a song. And when that song starts, if you've not yet made that decision to go all in with Jesus, let today be your day. My buddy Mark will be standing right down here in front of the baptistry. And you just make your way to him and he'll help you navigate where to go and I'll meet you in the water. I'll be in there. 
It's one of the greatest privileges I get is to be in the water with you. And we've got everything figured out. We get it all taken care of. I know you might be thinking, well, hold on. I got Easter lunch coming up after this. Like, eh, is that going to slow down the family? Listen, nobody who came to church with you today is going to be mad that they had to wait a little bit. The ham will be fine, all right? The potatoes ain't going to burn. You're going to be good, all right? And we got everything you need, right? We got warm towels and nice towels. We got private changing rooms. We got big, strong people. They'll guard your stuff. Nobody's going to go through your things. It's all safe. We've got all the stuff you need taken care of. We've got a shirt for you so there's no wardrobe malfunction. We got swim trunks for you to wear. We got clean undies. It's weird. We have it. I know you keep those. Um, we got all that stuff taken care of. We got it all. We'll take care of all those details. You just got to make a step. You just got to you just got to say, I'm done living in the darkness. And, and listen, if there's somebody who brought you here today, somebody who has influenced you spiritually, when we start playing that song, you look at them and you say, it's time. I'm coming out of the darkness. And if they're a baptized believer, you invite them. You say, hey, you invited me to church. Will you get in the water with me? You've influenced me. Will you, will you have the honor of baptizing me? Because let me tell you, there's nothing better than a friend baptizing a friend. Nothing more beautiful than that. So church, today is your day. Today is your day to come out of the darkness and into the light. Let's pray. God, we are thankful that you are the God of resurrection. And with your resurrection, Jesus, you resurrected our hope. You resurrected our joy. You resurrected our faith. And your mercy and your forgiveness and your grace and your love just come flooding into our lives. And so God, we're thankful for that. And God, we confess that it seems a little weird that we would, we would seal the deal with you by getting in a little pool of water and having somebody else dunk us underneath but we know in all the ordinariness of that moment of all the the humanness that there's something extraordinary that you do and god i know just looking around this room today so many people here could give testimony of their story of how important that moment was the most important decision they ever made to surrender their old life to you put their old way of living to death and come up in a brand new life with you and the difference that has made so, Father, right now in this moment, for any who have not yet made that decision, I pray that on this day, on Resurrection Sunday, no better day for them to come out of the darkness and into the light. So, God, would you give an extra measure of courage, an extra measure of boldness for any who don't yet know you to come out of their darkness, to make their way from their seat down to the baptistry. God, if there's anyone online who needs to make that decision, they would let the host online know and say, I'm ready. And, God, if they're close, we'll wait for them. If they're far away, well, I'll buy a plane ticket, Lord. And we'll go to them. So, Father, will you move in this moment? We will celebrate you and what you are doing in the lives. To bring resurrection right here, right now, today. As people leave the darkness and come into the light. Lord, we celebrate you. You alone deserve the honor, the praise, and the glory for it all. So we give it to you and you alone, Lord Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Church, after the video, I'll see you in the water. My name is Todd Brown. I started coming here probably around 2016. My name is Jennifer Brown. Jennifer and I have been married now this summer. It'll be 35 years. Right? 
Before Jennifer and I got married, I walked away from the church. There was a couple that lived in our apartment. We became friends with them. Come to find out, they were involved in one of the motorcycle groups here in Louisville. And one time they asked us to ride with them. For whatever reason, you know, I just felt comfort there. We hung out with them for a while, and I ended up at some parties. And one time, Jennifer and I were invited to one of the larger parties with the, with the whole gang and stuff. And when I walked in that room, I saw things on the table. I mean, like every drug that you could possibly think of. I mean, there was bottles of whiskey everywhere. There were people passed out in their vomit. There's needles, you know, in people's arms, and they're passed out. Everything was dark. It seemed like God opened the light. And I felt like at that time in my life, God was saying, look, you know, you want this? Here it is. You can have it. You can walk away. This is all yours. I understood that. No, no, this is not what I wanted. I told Jennifer, I said, we, we don't want this. So we walked away, and we just kind of slowly parted ways with that. We wanted to, to make something of our lives. A year or so later, we had our first child. Um, I didn't step up, and, and, and our life continued to be dark. I just felt the distance, you know, arguing and things back and forth. Sometimes the escape out of the darkness was I became an alcoholic. My exit was to start drinking. It was real easy to go to the store and buy, you know, a 12-pack, and it drove me to push God away because I was taking alcohol and using that to, to, to escape. It's one of the darkest moments in my life is when you sit there every day, you think to yourself that the easy way out is, is taking your life. It seemed like this went on for me like almost five years. It was so dark. It's almost every day I sit there and contemplated, you know, is today the day? I just didn't want to live. There, there was no light. Well, I do know why I'm alive because God has another plan for me. I didn't, I didn't have the hope, brother, you know. In our life, we, we were, it was a constant struggle to be up and we'd be down. Most of the time, we, we, we spent life down. But one day, my daughter had come to us, and her and her husband were coming to OCC. She said, Mom, Dad, I think you guys would, would really like this. And we were unsure of that, so we we started visiting. And then it was here that, you know, we both felt something. We felt the, the joy and, and, and the love that was in this church, man. We continued to come on and off. And I was starting to, to, to get back to where I was. I was understanding the message. The Spirit was here, and, and it really touched Jennifer. And I think that was the brightest moment of my life is when I saw my wife accept Jesus Christ. When I first gave my life to Jesus, well, I don't know how I got up to the front altar call, but at that time I was talking to someone saying, I feel like I'm hitting a brick wall. I just want something more for my life. So at that point, I think the Holy Spirit took over because I was next in a room speaking to someone about being baptized. Jesus shined the light on my life. There was so much joy. There was so much freedom. There was so much relief made new and forgiven. I was just engulfed in what Jesus was doing in Jennifer's life. And, uh, you know, that, that's what brought the change in me. There are still challenges that face us every day, and, and that's going to happen to everybody in our life. But now that we are stronger with Jesus, we can hold his hand and get through the darkness that surrounds us, the darkness that covers us up. We know how to get out of that. I, I can't stress enough 
at what God is doing for us in our life. And, and the opportunity that the church has, has given us, we actually feel like we belong. Living in the light compared to the darkness, we are stronger. There's more love. We're continuing to grow. We're continuing to learn. We continue to share. Satan does try to challenge you, and there still are ups and downs. Mm-hmm. But reaching out for him, if you reach out to him, he's going to reach out to you. I, I want to continue, you know, just, just sharing Jesus with other people and, and being in their life for their next step because there's more. That's a happy part in somebody's life. I'm here to say it's better. 